Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of the Pause Reviews Podcast. The podcast where Tim and I watch everything on streaming. All right, not everything, but we watch a lot of stuff. And we find the best stuff for you guys to watch tonight. As always, I'm your host, Frank, joined by my trusty co-host, Tim. Welcome, Tim. Yeah, I even had to explain to my wife this week why we were watching a movie that we were watching because her exact words to me after watching the trailer to see if she wanted to watch it with me was, this looks terrible. I think it's beneath you. (laughs) (laughs) At least one of our wives thinks that something's beneath us. Yeah, your wife thinks we're junk. Yeah, my wife thinks we're trash. Um, (laughs) She's going to be so bad. Lucky she doesn't listen to this. Um, Yeah, so one, and actually it's funny, one of the bits of of, uh, feedback that we have gotten is that I guess we have been, and I have not done this on purpose. I, I don't know why I do this, and it's so true we totally do this uh especially on well on the rewind episodes because obviously the deep dives are obvious the name of the episode is what we're talking about but apparently on the rewinds we're real aloof about what we're gonna talk about and we're just like (laughs) we're gonna talk about something and then we're gonna talk about and it's all gonna be a surprise and apparently everyone (laughs) listens and like 30 minutes in they're just like what are you talking about (laughs) Tell us what it is. Okay, well, so then this week we're going to talk about (laughs) one movie and then another movie and probably four movies. Yeah, yeah, about four movies on average. Let's dive in. No, all right, so from now on I promise that we will tell you guys from the start what we're talking about so, so that you know. Again, not an intentional or, or like, thought-out decision. I, I can't even explain it. It just, that's just how we, but, I've sort of But done now that it. you say it, I know exactly. You can totally like, picture it. Y- yeah. <laughs> I mean, I went back and I just listened to a couple and I'm just like, and even I was listening. I'm like, just say it. Just say the titles. Say the titles, Frank. <laughs> ha, he said it. He said it. I know. And even now, I have yet to say them. Okay. So this week's Rewind, uh, Tim and I are going to be talking about Morning Glory, uh, yeah. which is the you know sort of rom-com starring, not sort of, it is. It's a rom-com it starring Rachel McAdams, uh, Patrick Wilson, Harrison Ford, uh, Diane Keaton. There's a ton of people in it. Um, we're going to talk about the Netflix film The Last Letter from Your Lover starring mm-hmm. Shailene Woodley. <coughs> excuse me. Shailene Woodley. Um, I'm going to mess. It's all in my head now because I also want to say Felicity Huffman, but it's Felicity Jones and uh, and, you know, assorted other yeah. people. <laughs> yep. Right. And then we're going to be talking about the Suicide Squad and how it compares to Suicide Squad. So yeah. I think it was 2018 with Suicide Squad, 2017, 2018, Suicide Squad by David Ayer. Uh, so we're going to be talking a little bit about that one that I forced you to watch in anticipation of watching 2021's James Gunn's The Suicide Squad. Um, yep. So anyways, let's do it, man. Let's yeah, dive in. I'm excited. Yeah, this is this is sort of a weird amalgamation um well part of it was like we felt like we've kind of done a lot of similar style movies recently lots of horror action yep 
So we wanted to throw in some some stuff in there. Yeah, I think you know we were probably I think both hurting for a little change. Um, I think we both sort of put off last letter to your lover and uh, to the when last I was like, minute. yeah, and uh, I had said, oh, you know, we were going to watch it, but then Carissa wasn't into it, so we ended up watching Steel Magnolias because <laughs> I'd never seen it, and she's a, and she hadn't seen it, and she's a huge Julia Roberts fan, and then you're like. We watched Pretty Woman, so it was weird, right? But we, we, we were both it. drawn to the romance <laughs> films and both drawn to Julia Roberts because right. neither of us wanted to watch Felicity Huffman. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Last letter to your lover, right? Um, now, yeah, but I think um, that's how we sort of ended up watching Morning Glory too, because um, it's one of Carissa's favorite movies, and, and in terms of like. Uh, she says it's a it's a comfort movie, right? Like Spot it's on. like comfort food. She, um, it's one of the few movies she actually has in her own Amazon account downloaded, um, and she's like, I'll watch it on a plane. Like it's just something to you know I can I can watch, and it's you know kind of acts as like a, a little bit of a, a hit of Xanax. She's like, it just kind of keeps me chill. I'm familiar with it. I like it, and you know then then um, I can get through the flight a little bit. Um, and I swear that we, her and I have watched it before. Um, as we were watching it, though, it was clear I'd never seen it. I was like, I love Harrison <laughs> Ford. I'm like, oh, well, I would have seen this. Um, but she has showed me clips before right. um, of it. So that might have kind of been where that came from. Um, so, yeah, we just we, we threw it on. We were struggling because we don't have any series right now that we're into. Um, and when we don't have a series, then we end up sitting with our food on our plates, like scrolling through, you know, cause we can't just eat at a table. We have to sit and eat in front of the TV. <laughs> so. As you do, my friend, if Alyssa would let me, I too. I mean, that's how I grew up. Yeah. I don't think I, mean, I we, ever ate a meal at a table. We, we didn't really. Um, and for the longest time we were good about eating, you know, dinner at the table. Uh, but, since covid and then since the baby it's just been like now every we go straight down to, downstairs which now i have to be careful because we got new carpet <laughs> yeah yeah you know what so with morning glory this is one of those moments where carissa and i we just align we yeah. align like moons in the night in yep. that this is one of mine and Alyssa's like all-time favorite go-to feel good movies it yeah. isn't that it's nothing really special to be honest no. with you no. but it also just doesn't really do anything wrong and no. it's you know you've seen it a thousand times even if you've never seen it before but there's something about this you know i think rachel mcadams in in her role is so it, she comes off so genuine and mm -hmm. so lovable and so amiable that like you just you buy into her every time, and it's almost like each time you watch it, you're like catching up with an old friend. Yeah, and I can see that. This is there are a couple of movies that I keep downloaded on my phone, on all my devices, my iPads, whatever it is. This is one of them. Uh, 2005's, uh, Joe, I think Joe is it Joe Wright, and anyways, but 2005's Pride and Prejudice with Kira Knightley mm -hmm. and Matthew McFadyen is mm -hmm. another one that you know not as funny like it's not laugh out loud funny but it's it is you know dry witty and yeah. just makes you feel good i i like her i like her analogy of it's like a hit of xanax it really is it just it just puts you in a good mood yeah yeah and i think 
you know, overall, what kind of keeps me sucked into it um, is I'm realizing I'm a sucker for like what I would call an industry movie, right? So explain it's it's set against the backdrop of working in a TV studio. It opens Mm -hmm. uh, Rachel McAdams' character of Becky is um, uh, like a junior producer, right? For uh, for a morning show that is kind of lagging. Um, and I think they've been bumped to like a 4am start time. So you see a little bit of her like going it, to bed. It's like, like good morning, New Jersey or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. And like they, she has to be at work at four. So you see her getting up at one and, you know, cute little scenes of like saying good night to her neighbor on the way out to work. And he says good morning to her. And as he's like walking the dog in his pajamas or whatever. Right. Um, and then she gets, she gets let go from that job and she's desperate for any other, other job. And she ends up at this studio, um, kind of tasked with remaking a, a show that nobody cares about. And, you know, you come into the junkie studio, they've got, you know, terrible uh, accommodations and everything. And, and, you know, she turns it around. She does, does all of this crazy stuff to turn it around. But and, she's in New York now. She's on a network. Yeah. I mean, yep. they had to name it. I, that's the first thing. It's IBS, which yeah. immediately makes me laugh. Yep. Um, yep. But anyways, yeah. Yeah. I, so I'd like, I, it's just sort of that, that peek behind the curtain. And again, it's a romantic comedy. So obviously it's, it's a bit of a romanticized idea of what this is, but it's just kind of that, like you're seeing things that you're not supposed to, you know, it, that backstage kind of thing. Um, any other movie like that, uh, I, I think it's just kind of cool, you know, yeah. just to, to see that um, a different side of things, those, those industry movies. I can't really think of anything off the top of my head, sort of like, like, I guess like Apollo 13 sort of kind of like that, right. You spend a lot of time, um, you know, in mission command and all that kind of stuff. Um, so just like it's, it's set against that backdrop again. It's, it's a movie you've seen a hundred times, right. But right. you know, it's just, you change a few pieces here or there. Um, I think the one funny thing is what Chris and I, as we went through it though, I could not really think of anybody in my life that was like Rachel McAdams character of Becky. How do you mean? So we like we that like, young single and like super committed to their job or no, like a morning she, show producer. Yes. I don't know any morning show producers. Um, you got it. Uh, no, she was just, she's super, yes, she is super committed to her job, but she's awkward and she's, she's sure nerdy and really, you know, fidgety and kind of manic and, yeah. um, but she's really, really pretty and really, really stylish and really, really put together. And I was like, I can't think of anybody that checks those boxes. That's the like, unicorn. That's the white whale. Yeah, right. <laughs> I was like, I don't know that you're a real person. And we went through like everybody on our friends list and we're like, no, they're either like really good looking or they're, they're you know, not that put together. And, like, you know what I mean? Like, it's just, yeah. I don't know anybody in my whole life of acquaintances that is her character and i think you're right because she is a unicorn she's not a real person (laughs) and maybe that's the appeal right like you know it's oddly relatable through her unrelatability in the sense that she's kind of that thing that we all wish we had in our lives and 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 what's funny is there's a lot of elements of this movie and yeah not to get like super deep into you know a surface level uh rom-com but at the same time like i think what makes it feels so good is that 
through the characters, through the storyline, through the whole thing, it delivers this sort of the this idealized thing that we're all searching for and mm-hmm. and also, you know, the success that we're all searching for. Yeah. And it just kind of shows that like all these broken people on their own when brought together, you know, it's kind of like, you know, the rising tide raises all ships in that yeah. it's it's through their brokenness that together they find the thing that makes them better than they could have been otherwise, right? You have yeah. the, you know, the the old washed up like hardcore news guy. You have the kind of burnt out uh, former beauty queen sort of lifelong morning talk show host. Uh, yep. In Diane Keaton, and then you have this really hungry, up and coming producer who no one will give a chance, and yep. and all these things, and a failing network, and all this stuff, and then you just sort of watch each of them start to fall together into something that is greater than the sum of its parts, and at the yes. end, that just makes you feel good, and it yeah. it feels right, and it feels complete, and it feels. Uh, comfortable and it, exactly like we opened up and like what you said, Chris. It's comfort food, and yeah. and that's absolutely what it is. You know, it's one that I watch oftentimes. It's perfect. It's a perfect movie to throw on when you don't know what else to watch. Um, yeah. If you haven't seen it or you haven't seen it in a long time, or even if you have, like I, I would, I I bet you you'd be hard pressed to find somebody who's seen this movie. And wouldn't say like, oh yeah, I'd you know throw that on, or if it came on, I'd watch it, or whatever the situation might be. So it is, yeah, it's it's a great watch. It's a lot of fun. I really enjoy it. Um, what did you think? I mean, to add what to what you said, it also has some really funny moments. There Genuinely are some really funny. Laugh out loud, hilarious moments when they're trying to remake that show and they have the weatherman doing all sorts of crazy stuff. I mean, it's 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 amazing. Yep. Um, I I think it's it's right. It's you know it's perfectly right down the middle. You know what I mean? It's 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 nothing you haven't seen. But like you said, it's like a nice warm bowl of macaroni and cheese or something. Like mm. it just it fills you up. You feel good. You feel nice about it, and and then you move on. I dig it. Yeah, from it's it's fun. I give it a for me. It's like it's like a solid. Ah, look, if I'm honest, it's like a six and a half. Yeah, but uh, yeah. in terms of the feel good kind of guilty pleasure part of it, I you know I, the bias the bias points right. You know, yeah. I give it I give it like an eight. You know, it's yeah, I mean, just it's enjoyable. You, you can't discount when you have you know. Diane Keaton, Harrison Ford, and Jeff Goldblum. Like, it's just oh. people you like to see, too. You know yeah. what I mean? 100%. Yeah. Um, yep. You can definitely see it on Paramount Plus, and mm-hmm. I think it might also still be lingering on Amazon Prime. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, yeah. So you can definitely see it there, uh, certainly Paramount Plus, and it's absolutely worth a watch. Again, I own it. It's on all my devices, and I watch it regularly. So just because... What do you think the rating on IMDb is? Um, I would say IMDb probably gives it like a 6.7. 6.5. Boom. And guys, <laughs> if you doubt why we do what we do, this is why. I was looking we at know like, what we're talking about. Frank literally gave it a 6.5. Oh, that's is. hilarious. <laughs> Nailed it. Nailed it. <laughs> uh, so... 
then sticking in this vein, right? Uh, sticking right with this romantic comedy, you had suggested uh, last letter from your lover. Whoa, well, wait a minute. Let's get obviously <laughs> last letter from your lover is not a romantic comedy, but <laughs> it was we we had ended up talking about Morning yeah. Glory, and I was like, and that made me realize, you know, we yeah. haven't done a romance or what literally anything a little more diverse in a while yeah we've been yeah. kind of pigeonholed just you know based on a things that are coming available things that are coming out things that people yep. are talking about requests yep. etc so i was like let's kind of get into something else and yeah. and this movie had just dropped and i was like well we could kind of do like a half and half and do some romance and then a little suicide squad <laughs> <laughs> um but anyway, so yeah, so that's how this kind of came into the yeah. fold. Yep, yep. So I, I will <laughs> be honest right off the bat. The reason I sort of put this out of my head is I do not – something about Shailene Woodley rubs me the wrong way. I, I don't know oh, what it is. I I think it goes back to – seeing her in all the ads when she was on the secret life of the American teenager, which that show just bothered me. <laughs> like, you know, I was like, I was a little too old for that show, but it was on and it was really prevalent at the time. And I think just the premise of the show bothered me. Um, I actually have no idea what you're talking about. Right uh, now. I've never even ABC, heard of that. It was on ABC family. She's like a teenager gets pregnant. Like, yeah. Nope. That totally, yeah. totally passed me by. Uh, I just, I, and uh, interviews with her, I just, you know, I, nothing personal, obviously. I don't know her from anybody, but just, it just, just bugs me. <laughs> like, so, it's so funny because I, I, I can see what you mean. Right. And especially when you're saying like the interviews and, and now she's really been in the media with all this Aaron Rodgers stuff. Uh, she's engaged yeah. to Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers had all this holdout stuff going on with Green Bay. And so, you know, that kind of put her in the spotlight as well. People were talking to her more about the Aaron Rodgers situation than her own stuff. But, um, you know, and you can kind of – you get a sense that you're just kind of like, huh, she's – I hate to say this because, you know, who are we uh, to, to know what someone's yeah. about or whatever. But – you ever find yourself like you see an interview with somebody or, or whatever and you kind of find yourself asking like you know i wonder if they're actually cool in real life or if yeah. they're kind of douchey right yeah 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 and uh and she's one that i you can totally i can totally see someone asking themselves that question about yeah for me my first exposure to her was in uh, a film called the spectacular now uh mm -hmm. with miles teller and I thought she was spectacular. I thought she was amazing in that movie. And she played a um, sort of innocent and ignorant, uh, you know, teenager who is sort of, it's, it's a bit of a coming of age where she ends up with a guy who's a little bit more rough around the edges in Miles mm -hmm. Teller and then, you know, kind of learning. But there's such an intimacy in that movie. And... And I think we talked about it, actually. I think there's another movie that we talked about earlier uh, where the writer of... Oh, 500 Days of Summer. The same <laughs> writer from 500 Days of Summer wrote The Spectacular Now. And, uh, and so anyway, so we've talked about this a little bit before. Um, 
there's such an intimacy there. And and what she brought to the screen was like, wow, right? Like, she's one of those actors who, you know, it all just kind of depends who shows up that day, mm-hmm. right? Is it spectacular now, Shailene Woodley, or is it, you know, divergent Shailene Woodley? Or is it, you know, big little lies, or is it, right? Like, you're either yeah. going to get immense highs or low lows, and, and you don't know quite where you're going to fall. That's kind of what it is for me. But you yeah. seem to have like a real, just a real bias against just, her. You know, I think it's also just, you know, we were kind of talking about this before that there was, you know, at that time where we were getting all those YA novels and, you know, adapted into movies, right? Whether right. it was Twilight um, or The Hunger Games or Divergent. And Days I feel Runner. like. Yeah, they were really trying to force some of these, like, they were trying to make Jennifer Lawrence, they were trying to make Shailene Woodley, they were trying to make uh, Kristen Stewart, right? And, like, I feel like after those, you know, there's there's the, the, the... the want to not not be typecast, right? You look at the Harry Potter folks, and and a lot of them have, um, you know, um, Rupert Grint's not found, you know, much of a much of a career after that, and things like that. So you don't mm-hmm. want to be typecast and things like that. And I think you're you're right on, right? I think there are roles that are better written for her, and then I think there are roles that just don't work. And you're a hundred percent right about the, like, she's definitely somebody who I would look up and be like, you know, is she, how is she in real life sort of person? Cause I just don't know how to feel about her. So that really leads me to say for this one, I don't think she was good in this. Interesting. I just, the overall feeling of this movie with her, I don't think she fits this part. The part that she plays in this movie of Jenny is, um, you know, she's th- there's there's two parts to this movie. There's the modern framing, and then there's the, this um, love story of a couple that we see play out from from the '60s, and she just doesn't fit the glamorous woman that this character should be right this very mm. Jackie O kind of upper class style, this American in Europe, and I just don't. I just don't feel her. I just don't buy her in that. She feels way out of place, not like an upper crust American, you know, expat. Uh, she just feels weird and, and she doesn't seem glamorous to me. And I have a hard time with her playing that love interest because I just don't find her appropriate. So I gave this a lot of thought actually, since we last talked and I, and I, so I'm totally going to blindside you because I feel like I was with you before and I've sort of changed my tune, but before I give my opinion, quick rundown about what this movie's about. So the last letter from your lover is based on a book by the same name written by Jojo, uh, Moy, Moyes, Jojo Moyes, (laughs) (laughs) Jojo Moyes. Um, and Let's see. It was so exactly like you said, it's kind of the sliding doors, the sort of mm-hmm. back and forth type uh, storyline where you have two interwoven yet separate narratives where you're following yeah. these two women, right? You have Jenny Sterling, Jennifer Sterling, played by Shailene Woodley, uh, a married woman in 1960 who is having a scandalous, steamy 
and mm. amazing affair uh, yeah. with a uh, with a reporter who mm-hmm. in in the letters goes by the name B. Um, oh, what's his name in the movie? The actor. Oh, like um, what's the character's name? Uh, Peter. Uh, Anthony O'Hare. Anthony O'Hare. Thank yeah. you. It was killing me. And I wanted to say, it's so funny you said Peter because I couldn't stop thinking Peter O'Toole. Yeah. Because I knew it was like an O something. O'Malley, O whatever. Anyways, yeah. that was like Italian. <laughs> O'Malley, yeah. <hey. laughs> I speak Irish. Well, um, shut up. I want to shut up. Yeah, so, so, uh, so you have Anthony O'Hare is a journalist um, who uh, enters into this affair with her. And, you know, they go back and forth. It gets better and better. They write letters back and forth to each other. This is how they correspond. This is how they meet up. Mm-hmm. Obviously, it's 1960s. And, um, you know, he wants her to come away with him. She's got ties, her husband, etc. And a bunch of other stuff happens. There's a really interesting element to it, too, where um, it opens up that she has no memory, right? We yeah. find her where she's gotten into an accident and has amnesia. And so she, it's really fascinating because she is uncovering the truth of her life, these mm-hmm. letters, this affair. Almost for the first time, even though she's the one who lived it, while simultaneously in the present day, uh, Felicia or Felicity, <laughs> God, Felicity Jones <laughs> plays Ellie uh, Hawthorne or something like that. Yep. Um, and uh, so Ellie is a journalist in the present day for the same paper in London that. Uh, that O'Malligan, no, I'm just kidding. O'Malligan. <laughs> that, uh, that Anthony worked for back in the 60s. And in, in the course of working on a certain piece, she stumbles across this letter. The yeah. same letter that um, Jennifer in the 60s, trying to regain amnesia, has in her possession. Right, it's amongst yep. her yep. belongings or whatever. So she has this this letter. It's the start of her journey. It's also the start of... Um, Ellie's journey in the present day to try to uncover who these people were and in the course, you know, sort of sort out her own messed up love life in the present day. So it's a really great premise. It's a really great mechanic. um, And, and it works somewhat well, but to speak back to your point about uh, Shailene Woodley and, and does she fit in as this 1960s glamorous kind of, woman of means right yeah in in society in london in the 60s um we see her hosting dinner parties and all this other kind of stuff and what i thought about was i think it didn't bother me so much and work kind of well because i don't think that character belongs in that life this is why the love affair with anthony o'hare works out and works so well and why she's drawn to it so she gives us glimpses and moments right when she's talking to anthony and she says and he asks her how did you end up with your husband and she says our our dads worked together in new york so they basically set us up we got married my dad was thrilled like it was a almost an arranged type thing or an expectation that they had to bring their family into prominence maybe they knew that he came from money they knew that he had position wealth whatever 
And she even talks about how I haven't, he, he does all the traveling now. I'm not even able to go home and see my family or whatever. When she goes to his uh, hotel room, you see her like looking at his little writing desk and all this other kind of stuff, almost in a longing way. Uh, the yeah. dates that they go on are to these underground sort of dance clubs and all this stuff, which is where you can kind of get the sense that that is more of how she feels at home. That is more of who she really is. And yeah. I think this element where you see this, you know, Shailene Woodley plays, she feels very American. She feels very yes. average American. Yes. And, yes. And in a role where, you know, if the role was she was supposed to be playing a high-class British aristocrat whatever, I agree, poorly cast. But if yeah. what you're supposed to be playing is a, a an average American pulled from her life and into this one where she is not comfortable and effectively spends the next several hours of us watching her trying to escape from this life and being constantly trapped within it, I feel yes. like that does a great job of building up this native tension and conflict where she is as trapped and uncomfortable in her position and in her role as you are watching the actress in that role. It's yeah. not it's not the right fit. And yeah. and so and and I think that's the point of the character. Very interesting. I think that's a very, very, very solid point of view on that. Nailed it. Yeah. 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 So, yeah, ever since we were talking about it, I was just really thinking about it, and I was just like, I think that's what it's about. Because I didn't get so much of that vibe. And I yeah. think for me it was just because it felt right uh, mm. that she was so uncomfortable, out of sorts, and didn't quite make sense. Um, yeah. You know, so this movie, for me – let me know what you think about this. Uh, you know, that sounds really complicated, intense, you know, thought out, well-planned, whatever. And it is. I think this movie at the end of the day for me, I was surprised at how much it worked and how well it played for me. Um, I had very low expectations of this, and mm -hmm. I think I found myself surprised at how much I liked it. And by how much, I just mean that I was able to get through it at all, to be honest. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think at the end of the day, f for me, it's a movie. It exists. Exactly. And I'm not, it's nothing to write home about, but it's also not nearly as terrible as I was expecting. Um, I think there are, you've seen this story, right? You're not, you're not unfamiliar with this. It feels a lot like things I've seen before. Um, maybe shades of uh, Rebecca when we saw it. And I think that's just the, mm. the British upper class in the Mediterranean area, right? Like sort of a, lo a love affair, not necessarily an affair, but a, you know, a blossoming love affair. Um, so part of it felt like that. Um, and, you know, I just, just nothing out of the ordinary and, and fairly predictable, right? Like I, I kind of, totally. I, I knew, I knew all the beats. I knew everything um, that was happening. Um, you know, when in the modern day, Ellie meets uh, uh, the archivist that works at the, the paper, uh, her, her colleague Rory, their first interaction, I was like, oh, 
they're going to be a thing. Like they're going to get close over this project and, and they're going to be a thing. And of course that's exactly what happens. And then the two of them kind of work together and, you know, sort of solve this mystery and get the, the sixties couple, um, of, of Jenny and B back together. Um, none of that surprised me. I was like, okay, cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, something that I could easily put on and I didn't feel like I had to devote my attention to it. Um, like I knew what was happening and I could kind of like, you know, drop out for a second and, you know, pop right back in and not feel like I missed anything of major consequence. Yeah, I mean, after the first 20 or so minutes, you could probably throw this movie on mute and know exactly what's going on. And <laughs> and I think that, you know, I, I one of the things that I said was I don't think I'd ever watched such a average movie yeah like, right i've never seen a movie that could be more average it's it's not bad it's not good it literally just sits hard right yeah. in the middle i think though for me some things that were weak um you were talking about the character of rory and how she kind of gets and you know they're going to end up together whatever yep. um it is i thought a major failing uh, and there's been a lot of movies like this, right? Letters to Juliet and uh, even P.S. I Love You, where we see things spelled out through letters and self-discovery being learned through letters. Uh, the Lake House, um, you know, where letters are going back in time through this mailbox, whatever, right? There's a lot of movies where a character learns a lot about themselves as they try, as they trace and track down someone else's story. And yeah. uh, even to an extent, the notebook, even though the character is the same, but, you know, whatever. The point is, yeah. um, and the, what I'm trying to get to here long-windedly, is that I didn't really get the sense. I, I didn't see her learning about herself. It happens, yeah. right? Yeah. But it just kind of happens. It doesn't, you know, the the their lives don't really interweave as much as they could. And so I was actually not surprised to find out that this so the movie based on the book as I said, yeah, is is pretty close to the book. It okay. really only diverges in two major areas, but they just happen to be major areas. Um, the first is that in the end of the movie, well, we don't spoil things on the rewinds, so I'm not going right. to say, but the endings differ. The ending yes. in the movie differs from the ending in the book. Um, sort of, right? Sort yeah. of. Um, and then, uh, but another thing is that um, in, the, in the movie, Ellie is sort of in a... In just sort of a, she she's on the on the outskirts of a bad breakup. She just had a bad breakup from a, a long term. I think she says eight year relationship. Yes. And so she's kind of bed hopping, right? She's banging yep. her way through London and not committing to anybody. You know, we see her being actually very cold to men. Yes. And yes. um, and so suddenly in the movie after doing this research and finding these love letters, she finds her warmth again and her desire to want to open up and to want to find love. And, and, and so maybe she wants to do that with Rory. Maybe she wants to open herself up to love again. Um, mm -hmm. But again, that just sort of, it's like a switch that turns on. And, and I didn't really get a solid sense as I watched of her kind of like, 
relating a specific letter or something that she specifically read to something actually happening in her life. And in the book, Ellie is in a relationship with a married man. Mm-hmm. So if that had translated into the movie, perhaps, or they had just done a better job with the switch, yeah, you know, I can totally see her reading these letters from a man to a married woman and sort of this love affair and finding herself and her role in that yes. on her side and sort of, you know, coming to terms with maybe what she should or should not be doing. And, and that, that just felt, that felt lacking to me in, yeah. in this movie. I agree. I, I think from the outset, I didn't really understand what drew her into investigating the story, right? Her, right. her initial task um, she well, she offered to take a, a, a feature story from a coworker um, on writing a, a, a feature about the longest serving female editor for for the the newspaper that she works at, um, who had just died, and so she's mm-hmm. going through the archives, the writings of this person who's been at the company for for all these years, and in looking at the archives, she finds this letter that is just miscategorized, and. I wasn't even clear from the jump that it wasn't. I thought it was a belonging of that editor, right? And I thought I the thought story that as was well. Going to be about you know a lost love of her life, and maybe maybe Ellie was going to settle that you know find the, the 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 love interest who was still alive, but it's simply just in the wrong box, right? Well, and but the and, movie does do a fairly good job at the end of kind of showing you how it ends up. Yes, there, right. Yes, exactly. Which was a nice um, callback. Yeah, so you you have to bear with that. Um, but, but I do agree with you. It just, I, I didn't, she reads this letter and she's immediately obsessed with, we have to find more. Like why, why? Why? Yes. Now, why do you care? We opened the movie with you being absolutely frigid to a guy that you just had a one night stand with. You know, he was like, Oh, you know, do you want my number or can I get your number? And she's like, I, yeah, you, you trust me. You don't even want it. I'm not, I, you know, like what? And the letter is very well written. It's a beautiful love letter, but nothing in that in the midst of me doing my job is like, I'm going to drop everything that I'm actually supposed to be working on and go on this wild goose hunt for, you know, a a letter writer from 40 years ago. (laughs) Right. And so, all right. So in the book, she ends up on this story because her career is actually failing. She's trying to be a journalist and just isn't gaining any traction. She stumbles across this letter and says, this is gorgeous. I should try to track down who these people are. And maybe there's a story here that's so good, it'll save my career. Here, her career is kind of what it is. And and the letter article seems, it's it's all bonus work. It has no weight. It has no consequence, right? She's doing this other report, which she still does. And she's like, here's my report. Like (laughs) we see little glimpses. She sends like an email. She's just like attached is the report. By the way, I'm working on this other thing. Maybe it'll be a story. Let you know. And then, you know, anyway, so there's no real consequence or weight to why she's pursuing this. Mm -mm. And additionally, like I already said, her life doesn't necessarily immediately relate to it. And it, it feels like a switch. She reads this yep. letter and all of a sudden, like it applies to her, and yep. and she's gonna get some meaning from it and whatever. But it's, I mean, it, it's it's very forced and it's very quick, and it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. And and that's sort of the the main downfall. I think though, like you said, one of the real positives for this, you know exactly where this movie's going. 
You know uh-huh. every beat. You know every moment. We talked uh-huh. about that. Uh-huh. But yet, somehow, the end still pays off. It still feels good, and it feels romantic. These letters are beautifully written, and uh-huh. and not corny, campy, but like you feel the weight of this love affair, and yes. and especially of Anthony's feelings towards Jennifer. Uh-huh. And it is a beautifully written story um, that I think suffers from this one last thing I'm going to make, which is the romance comes through because, I mean, gosh, when was the last time you wrote or received a love letter? Yeah, right. That's just not a thing that happens anymore. And I think that's what makes the movie so special. It's what gives it that certain thing that you didn't realize you longed for you uh-huh. find the romance in that art form, right? Of letter writing and, and you know, expressions that way. Yeah. So when the screenwriters took over, as I said, they had changed the story arc from her being in a married sort of relationship. Uh, I'm, I'm talking about the present day Ellie. Mm-hmm. And the reason they changed that was they were like, well, that wouldn't necessarily be believable in today's dating age, right? Yeah. People yeah. in 2021 don't necessarily relate to that. It's all app-based, kind of Tinder, grinder, whatever it is. Swipe left, swipe right. So she kind of bed hop, and that's just the way people date now. And and this notion that she would sort of had ended up in this type of a relationship and with the whole letter-writing thing and whatever, that it wouldn't necessarily register to a modern audience, which I, I suppose I can understand. But again, if that's the case fine make the change but you still have to tie the stories together yeah and if you're getting rid of the one common denominator which is both women involved in some sort of an affair right at opposite ends but but both women involved in affair relationships and infidelity if you're taking that away then you've got to tie them together somehow else and i feel like that connection between the 1960s Jennifer and the 2021 Ellie just doesn't exist in this movie. And therefore, yeah. it's really jumbled and hard to follow the threads as they're supposed to be interweaving and entwining. Mm-hmm. And they mm-hmm. just sort of run parallel. Yeah. And you don't really know why they're running together. Yep. So, yep. I and I think that's a major fault. And what really makes it feel like just an average, maybe even subpar movie. Yeah, I agree. 100%. It's just, again, it's just there. And I don't feel any sort of way for having him having had watched it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, if I'm going to give it anything, four and a half, maybe a five out of 10, like, boom, yeah. right in the middle, yeah. it just sits yep. in the middle. Wasn't mad yep. I watched it. Wasn't excited either. Yeah. Yep. Yep. We spent more time on it than we probably should have. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we did. All right, so we've got, you know, about 15 minutes or so to bring this home with Suicide Squad. So yeah. um, we're not going to necessarily dwell on this, on Suicide Squad, the David Ayer sure. cut from a couple years back. Um, yep. But instead, we'll kind of highlight it um, in comparison to James Gunn's latest 2021 The Suicide Squad available now on HBO Max until September 5th. And then it leaves, it'll do its thing on, you can buy it, whatever, and eventually it'll kind of end up back there. 
Um, yep. So the Suicide Squad, Tim, you are notoriously not a superhero movie guy. I would argue that in the last two years, you've probably watched more superhero movies than you have in the rest of your life combined. Um, what were your thoughts going into this? You, I made you watch Suicide Squad just as a frame of reference. Yep, yep. What did you think? Um, I mean, I have a decent cultural understanding, especially of these movies, just because I know, like, if you were to ask me about them, like, I know Suicide Squad was not well received. Uh-huh. I know that it had production trouble and there were reshoots and people mm-hmm. don't like Jared Leto's portrayal of the Joker. Nope. Um, so I, I have a fairly, and this is all stuff I just, I've absorbed, right? I, I feel like I'm good at absorbing things, especially yeah. when they're big in pop culture, like that movie was for any number of those reasons that I just mentioned. Right. Um, I also know that out of that, you know, Margot Robbie has taken this Harley Quinn character and just run away with it. And people yep. enjoy it to an immense degree. Um, and, you know, they, they gave her her own movie and there was sort of mixed, you know, feelings about that one. Um, but then this one dropped and whether it's due to the failings of previous movies or what, um, people were head over heels for this movie. And it's everywhere. And I think especially now that we do this on a regular basis, if people are glowing about something, I think I want to check it out even if I don't necessarily have the background to it. We sort of did it with with WandaVision. I have no background to that, but people were just head over heels for it. So it's like, I mean, there has to be some kind of additional translation to this. There's got to be something I can appreciate from this. Um, So I was down. I was totally down. Um, And I really, really, really liked it. And I think for me... I had a few questions along the way. I think more so when you and I were, when I was watching Suicide Squad. But as far as the 2021 version, I just rolled with it. I didn't really have many questions. I understood the concept of what was happening. And I think the story itself is is fairly self-contained, right? And I, I don't know that you need a ton of background on any of the characters in this one to really appreciate it um, and how much fun and enjoyable and entertaining it is. Yeah, absolutely. So I am a massive DC fan. I remember when Suicide Squad came out, it got a lot of hate. I didn't hate it, but I think that came more from a place of like, I was just happy to have it, right? To actually see these characters on, on the screen, especially Harley Quinn. Harley Quinn is... A really special character in DC. Um, there aren't many characters with lasting, like deep-rooted effect in fans that were created in the modern day, right? Mm-hmm. Batman, Superman, um, Flash, Green Lantern. Everyone was has been around for decades. Batman's been around for over eighty years. Yes. Superman for just as long. Wonder Woman, etc. Harley Quinn was invented in the 90s. Yeah, that's it's such an interesting phenomenon. I feel like I have the same thing, you know, I've often had this discussion within within baseball or or sports, you know, it's like who today am I going to look at 
in 50, 60, 70 years and be like, oh, I watched them play and they're, you know, a great of, you know, like I just, I don't feel like we get a lot of modern classics. Christmas music is the same way, right? All the best Christmas music was written like 50, 60 years ago. Well, Harley Quinn is the All I Want for Christmas by Mariah Carey of the comic book world. 100%. Yeah, Yeah, this is like, how does such a a classic, I mean, instantly, instantly just holds her own with really deep-rooted and rich histories of characters, and especially in this rogues gallery. Um, And so it's a fascinating phenomenon from Jump, this character of Harley Quinn. Um, I think, you know, so uh, as I said, created in the 90s by Paul Dini, and, you know, she started off as like hench wench number one, and and just, you know, they wrote her into this amazing storyline, and we get a real glimpse of her origin in... Uh, Suicide Squad by David Ayer, right? Mm -hmm. She was a uh, psychologist at Arkham Asylum who gets sort of mind messed with with the Joker and Mm -hmm. and talked into helping him and then just becomes fully uh, attached to him in every possible way, fully dependent on him and loses all of her own independence and and whatever. Um, and, And her story is one of fighting her way out of that and finding her own person while still dealing with, you know, the ramifications of just having her brain totally melted by this man. Right, right. So in Suic- to see her come alive in Suicide Squad was awesome. And one of those equally rare situations in a live-action adaptation of a comic book where you just see perfect casting mm. come to fruition with Margot Robbie it is, she looks, I mean, okay, tattoos and emo stuff aside, right? Her, the look, the basic look of Harley Quinn, the features, the face, right? All of it is spot on for Margot Robbie. And she seems more and more herself in The Suicide Squad, the 2021 uh, James Gunn version. Now, yeah. in terms of the movies themselves, the plot of 2021 Way better. Uh, yes. The bad makes more sense, and it isn't just a gyrating uh, Cara Delevingne like, doing absolutely nothing in the background. Um, we have an actual purpose. The actors, way better. There are only a few characters that maybe you miss from uh, the David Ayer version. But yeah. hands down, the cast of characters in The Suicide Squad, way better. And, and it is... It's fascinating, right? Because um, James Gunn casts Idris Elba to replace Will Smith as Deadshot. Mm-hmm. Now, Warner Brothers gives it some thought and says, do we really want to uh, limit ourselves in the future of having Will Smith reprise the role for any reason, right? right? I'm not saying that they're thinking it will happen. It's just like we should probably hedge our bets, right? Yeah. In a world where multiverses are really starting to become the norm as far as superhero movies go, we want to maybe give Deadshot his his opportunity. And so instead, they assign him the character of Bloodsport, Idris Elba. And Bloodsport, honestly, on the page, is almost identical to Deadshot in terms of abilities, powers, and whatever. So it's an easy transition to make. and But it's fascinating because now you see... Idris Elba against Will Smith, and suddenly you realize just how bad 
Will Smith was in Suicide Squad and how much better James Gunn's vision for these characters and his attention to detail, how much better the script is, and just generally the storytelling is light years ahead of where Suicide Squad was just a few years back. Yeah, you nailed it, and I brought this up to you. I generally consider myself a Will Smith fan. I like Will Smith. Um, you know, I'll see a yeah. lot of his movies. I love the Bad Boys movies, Men in Black movies. Um, I just can't buy him in that movie. Like, yeah. he feels, uh, I think the word you and I kept using was disingenuous. Like, yes. I don't buy him as a bad guy. I, I, I just he feels too clean if that makes sense like the fresh prince right like his clean rap just permeates him right yes he's like a he's like a non-cursing rapper as like he is he is to that as like his version of deadshot is to a bad guy yes like yes he's a clean bad guy yes that's spot on tim and it just it, it caused me to struggle and I've never not liked him. You know, at least been like, ah, oh, he just he just and, the, and and it doesn't really end with him there either. I just I, I had a hard time with 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 characters in that movie. And I just I don't know. I, I think the other thing I had told you too is I, I'm also a sucker for like let's get the band together movies, right? Like an Ocean's Eleven, like, right. you know, oh, we need a, this type of guy and we get an introduction to that guy and we need a demolitions guy and we need a, a face guy and we need the Mr. T, right? Like, I, I'm totally about those types of movies. And Suicide Squad was so clumsy in the way that they did it to try and introduce you to these characters um, where 2021, they just walk you through a jail. They're like, these are the people you're working with suck it up deal with it and it was great and it was so much more entertaining and it was less clumsy and it has so much more heart than whatever they tried to inject i know that's the thing we like to talk about is the heart when you know what i we mean you understand it (laughs) it just it it has so much more feeling and so much more you know, you get those corny moments in in Suicide Squad where they're like coming together at the end, like "Oh, we're all family," and it's like, eh. But in 2021, when uh, Naawe is like friends, you're like, "Oh yeah, yeah. you are friends." Like I just. But then feel at the same more. time, Harley doesn't know Bloodsport's name, and <laughs> and so it's like, you know. It, it 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 does it and it gives you that heartwarming payoff while at yeah. the same time poking immediate fun of you feeling that and being like yeah. these people really don't know each other and right. don't care about each other. Yeah. Yeah, it, yeah, absolutely. It is it is such a fun fun movie and and you get You couldn't have nailed it better with Will Smith, whereas with Idris Elba, you get a genuine, like, raw, grizzle, like, just a, there's a gnarliness to him. Like, you believe this man has killed people. Like, I think about Suicide Squad, especially that last scene where Will Smith is talking to his daughter, 
And she's like, so the hypotenuse is the blah, blah, blah. Like when you're standing on a building and you kill a man on the street and yeah. like, that's the hypotenuse. He's like, yeah, baby, that's the hypotenuse. But, you know, you also got to factor in curvature of the earth and the weight of the bullet. And blah, blah. <laughs> I kill people. And it, I, I just felt like Will Smith was constantly having to remind me that he's a killer. Yes. Whereas Idris Elba just was a killer. Yeah. Right. Yep. And, and the relationship between Bloodsport and his daughter, so much more tangible, so much more genuine, so much more raw and emotional. And and you believe in the moment where she is heading down the wrong path and then sees him doing good and yeah. is like anyone is capable of good, even yep. if just for a moment. And and and, and that change I, I don't know. There's so much. So There's- much to this movie. I will say it's a magic maybe only James Gunn can bring because there's would, so yeah. much there's so much guardians in this, right? Yeah. Uh, King Shark is Groot. There's the perfect blend of comedy, gore, and like just unbelievably like unexpected happenings. There's good music in it too. There's a good there score. Is good like, score, and and maybe not as recognizable as say Guardians, but it fits really well. And what for me, I think really sets these apart and makes this play much better for me is it's so stylized, right? So which has gotten it some flack, which is interesting to me because you're talking about comic books, you're adapting comic books, which are stylized in their own essence, right? 100%. So that's like saying, Oh, I don't like this anime because it's styled like an anime, right? Like I I just, I, I, I don't get it. So, but to me, that alleviates things, right? I didn't spend this movie going, why are they walking around with a giant shark? Why is there a giant starfish? Why does Harley Quinn blow, you know, uh, see when she's killing people with uh, the javelins, javelin, <laughs> why you do, why you see butterflies and rainbows and everything? That to me is a comic book movie. I loved that scene. Um, and I thought it was in some way an interesting callback to the first one where she has to ask the the squad if they're seeing what is unfolding in front of them. Right. And she goes, okay, good, because I've been off my meds. To me, that's how I think she actually sees the world is all those colorful flowers and rainbows. That doesn't Yeah, when she me. kills somebody, she sees pretty na- – which yeah. would speak to when she kills that one dude and is like, yeah. I think you're prettier this way with all those yeah. bad thoughts coming out of your head. Yeah. Like yeah. she sees it as – Oh, that's prettier. Oh, Tim, that's so good. Absolutely. So I, I that just shocks me that people don't like that. But it, it, it absolves it for me. I don't I don't spend time wondering about those things. I spent too much time in the first one being like, okay, so Killer Croc, like this guy looks all nasty and but like the rest of the world seems fairly normal, right? Like this just seems like a normal universe and there's not a crocodile guy walking down the streets of dc every day so like you know that that grittier kind of play to it doesn't work with me i like to see that stylization plus killer croc gives you nothing in the first nah. one nothing yeah. i mean maybe his funniest lines when like anyone else want anything he's like bt right because yeah. he wants to watch the booty shaking but yeah. like but king shark is brilliant not only yep. is he functional but he is hilarious yeah hilarious <laughs> when, when they're doing their radio cops like, we got one upstairs blah 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 all right cameras are out blah 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 and then it cuts the picture he's just like 
bird. <laughs> Which, again, this movie, and the, maybe it's just... Now, how did this come to pass? Because this may play in. Yeah. DC had been floundering, right? Yeah. Just starting to crawl its way out of the hole of the Snyderverse, right? Yeah. And we talked a little bit about that before. We talked about how Aquaman, Wonder Woman starts to kind of bring it out. Shazam. Things are getting lighter. Things are getting funnier, more enjoyable, more relatable, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. it, and it's starting to head in the right direction. James Gunn is attached to Marvel. He is he's uh, directing the Guardians of the Galaxy movies. He's got two yeah. under his belt. He's on board yeah. to do number three. Someone surfaces some sketchy texts or Twitter posts that he did uh, several, several, several years ago. Disney, boom, fires him. Disney, thank you. Uh, in firing him, it releases him from any ties, obligations, restrictions, whatever that his contract set forth with Disney. I don't know that those were in place. You would imagine that they would be, but obviously yeah. we don't necessarily know the ins and outs of his contract. DC immediately snags him up and says, come and do a movie for us and we will effectively give you carte blanche. Blank check. You pick the property. You pick the characters. You pick whatever. You got it. And he effectively decides to make an R-rated Guardians of the Galaxy. He yeah. sticks to what he knows. He takes Suicide Squad. He gets an R rating. And, and he runs with it. And it's brilliant. So in being able to do that, right, he also casts it so much better. Right? Yeah. Sylvester Stallone as King Shark is <laughs> a masterpiece of yep. casting obviously yep. harley quinn came with the package so that was not attributed to him he replaces will smith with idris elba as we talked about joel kinnaman mm -hmm. he comes also as a package deal um, i always blank on this dude's name he's sort of a stalwart character actor background actor in in dc films and in comic book films he was in dark knight he's been in gotham he's been in uh the flash uh the cw flash anyways the guy who plays polka dot man yeah, yeah, and uh, and he's brilliant and does such a great job. Um, you know, I'm oh, I'm blanking on names, but Ratcatcher two, he brings in Taika Waititi and yeah. so many other people from Marvel, actually. Right, Michael Rooker yeah. comes in at the beginning yeah. uh, as a as a bit actor for a few seconds. Uh, Palm Clementi, who plays Mantis in Guardians, yeah. she's a yeah. stripper at this dance club, just like a random cameo in yeah. the movie for ten seconds. So. He just does a really great job of bringing a cast of characters together that can knock this out of the park, and they totally do. Oh, my God. And I totally forgot that in the credits, Nathan Fillion is mentioned, and he plays TDK. Yeah, TDK. Yeah, Nathan <laughs> Fillion. Um, I mean, look, it is this movie destroys the original one and is arguably yeah. one of the best superhero movies that have come out in a long time. Um I personally give it a 9 out of 10 just because not only does it hit so good but it also like speaks to me as a fanboy and it just yeah. it delivers something I didn't even know I was missing I didn't even know I wanted and couldn't have been happier that I got it it's a fun watch so much action tons of comedy absolute blast 9 out of 10 for me what did you think Tim Yeah I I I'll go right there with you I mean I think I, I enjoyed every character in this. I wanted to see more of these characters yes. in the first one. I could 
care less unless Harley Harley Quinn was on screen uh, screen because I liked her character. Major props to Margot Robbie to continue this. The uh, the I'm gonna watch Birds of Prey just because I want to watch more content of her. Yeah. Um, the 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 acrobatic stunt she does when she is tied up. Uh, you check that out. She did that whole thing herself. She went. Yeah, in. where she does the key. Yeah, it yeah. is nuts. Um, it's really, really impressive. And I've seen some articles where uh, Gunn is kind of disappointed that uh, he had her in this big dress that obscures her face. And so he wants everybody to know that she was like, I'll do it. And she did the stunt on like first try. And they were like, great, awesome. We don't need to get a stunt double. Um, it's really impressive. Um, but yeah, I just, I love her character. It's so much fun. There's so many great lines in this. Um her lines, King Shark's lines. Um, I just, the, I Monster love the rat. Num num. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I love the rat. I think the rat is hilarious. Um, I think Polka Dot Man, when he sees his mom everywhere, there's these random scenes where like he's dancing in the bar and you, they pan out and it's just him having the time of his life surrounded by his mom's. <laughs> so good. It's so funny. I just love it, it too. When Harley is, she, I forget what happens. Something happens and she turns to polka dot man and goes, I thought you were the crazy one. And he just looks yeah. at her and goes, I am. Yeah. <laughs> like, and, and her craziness so is on full display. Um, and I think by now, if you know her character through anything, I think it's just hilarious. She's just totally not there and there at the same time. And her lines are just amazing. I, it is, it is a lot, a lot of fun. And, I, I, I'm definitely going to watch it again. Yeah. Yep. I can't wait for more. What did you give it? I, I'll go. I'll, I would go. Oh, you did. You 10. said you'd go yeah. with me. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Awesome. Yeah. So that's it. That wraps us up. Uh, and the Suicide Squad, as I said, on HBO Max until September 5th. So hurry up. Go watch it. You will not be mad uh, that you did. It's amazing. Um. Let's see. Uh, one quick word of news. So we are working on... And on making a shift to how we yeah. deliver our content to you guys, um, we have had a lot of requests for, you know, a little bit more background info on how things get done and how things mm -hmm. get made and what goes into stuff, which just requires a little bit more research on our part um, yes. that we're happy to do. So in an effort to up the quality of what we're doing. Additionally, people are really starting to like when we do the IG live shows yep. um, and requesting more of those. So, uh, you know, obviously our time is limited as it currently stands. This is not mm -hmm. our full-time job nope. yet. Um, I know. <laughs> but, uh, you know, so in an effort to kind of meet everybody where they are, we're thinking about making a shift in the coming weeks where our deep dives will remain the same. Deep dive episodes uh -huh. will be podcast episodes and they will air bi-weekly. So twice a month, there'll be a podcast episode about one specific movie. Um, and then switching our uh, rewind episodes from being podcast episodes to being IG live shows. Yeah. Um, how does that help? Well, it's one week that I don't have to spend editing and posting a podcast, which is pretty time consuming compared to an IG live show that just kind of is what it is <laughs> we could just put that out there so still content weekly but in two different places yep 
I know that's not going to work for everybody, but I think that to move forward, it gives us the best opportunity to keep delivering and expanding the quality of our content for you yes. guys. So yep. um, more information on that next week. Uh, we probably wouldn't make the switch for an, at least another week, if not a little bit more. Um, but as a heads up, that's kind of the direction we're heading in, and we're super, super excited about it. So bear yes. with us as we figure things out and try something a little bit new. Yeah, I mean, I think we'd like to get some, you know, some more notice and amp up those live streams a little bit. The last one we did, we had a bunch of people stop by, um, you know, and, and ask questions and engage. Um, and Which I think has been like the point see- of this podcast from the beginning. Yeah, so I think we'd like to see more of that. Um, and I think, um, you know, also if we can put more of that content, more of those scripts in, we've realized some of our best episodes when we've been more prepared for some stuff. So I think as we sort of settle back into the winter and figure out what's next with going back to work and not going back to work and <laughs> how all that's going to play out, mm-hmm. um, you know, as we go into October and we make Frank watch horror movies every day again for a straight month. Oh, God. Um, <laughs> Um, you know, we're, uh, I, this is going to be good. This is going to be a lot of fun and I'm, I'm really excited to see where this goes and, you know, maybe when this becomes our full-time job and we can start, you know, making you guys buy into Patreons and things like that, we can do even more crazy things and, 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 and such. So, oh, um, yeah, that's the idea. So give us money. <laughs> <laughs> There's nowhere for you to give us money yet. But, no. uh, but you know, 92% of you uh, have my personal phone number. So you can That's always true. just Venmo me some money. That's true. <laughs> I like it. Um, what else? That's about it. That wraps us up this week. Um, so next week, we, uh, we haven't decided quite yet what we're going to do for our next deep dive. So keep an eye out for what that's going to be um, because we're just navigating some schedule stuff as Tim is getting ready to do some family stuff. Um, yeah. But, uh, but keep an eye out for that. But we will have a deep dive for you next week. And otherwise, uh, you can find us at the website, pause reviews at Gmail. <laughs> Again. Again. Always with this. You can find us on the website at pausereviews.com. You can check us out, obviously, on the Podbean app, but anywhere podcasts are uh, ready and available for you. Um, you can shoot us an email, pausereviews at gmail.com. And of course, our home on Instagram at pausereviews. You can comment on posts. You can send us a DM, whatever it is with requests, recommendations, questions, thoughts, concerns, general praises, and words of comfort and joy. Um, other than that, my friends, we will see you next week. And I'm your boy, Frank. This is Tim. Until we see you again. Peace. Peace. <laughs>